When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. The woke madness in history education is off the rails. Well, how do we change it? McClanahanAcademy.com. And because you listen to this podcast, if you use the coupon code PODCAST at checkout, you get 25% off every day, all day, 365 days a year, on every class at McClanahanAcademy.com. So go to McClanahanAcademy.com, use coupon code PODCAST at checkout, and get a real history education at 25% off. If you like this podcast and you want it without advertisements, head over to patreon.com and become a member of The Brian McClanahan Show. For 10 bucks a month, you get all the podcasts ad-free, including video, and you also get a special Q&A podcast. I'm only going to answer your questions, your listener-generated episodes, through those Q&As. So head over to patreon.com. Get this podcast ad-free, no ads, not even things like this, and you really do help support The Brian McClanahan Show with really cool stuff on the back end. Get the book that Kevin Goodsman called the single best volume on original intent ever written, My Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution. It is the book. When people ask me what's my favorite, that's the one. Pick it up wherever books are sold online and get a real education on the Constitution. We've got a Texas-sized showdown with the federal government. This time, the federal government might just blink. If they don't, Biden should be immediately impeached. I'll talk about that on this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClendon Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here on this special extra podcast for this week because we've got big issues to talk about. I was going to hold this off for next week, but the showdown is happening today as I'm recording this between the federal government and Texas Governor Greg Abbott. So we need to talk about this issue of Texas v. the United States. This is huge, ladies and gentlemen, and it's huge because for the first time since really 1798, we have a real issue of nullification. Now, we know that everyone's phrasing this, or framing this, I should say, as an issue of 1860-61. But what's really happening here is we have a nullification crisis again. And I say it's different than any time since 1798. Because you've got a number of states now that are rallying around Texas. Now, in 1832, it sort of happened. There were other states that would have joined common cause with South Carolina. But, of course, South Carolina said, yeah, we don't care what you say. Supreme Court can say whatever they want. We're still nullifying the tariff. And in this particular case, we've got a situation where the state of Texas has said, you know what you're not doing? You're not enforcing the laws of the United States. This is kind of a a reverse of what was happening in 1798 where the federal government passed a law. Virginia and Kentucky said that law is unconstitutional. We're not going to enforce it. Same thing in South Carolina with the tariff. You might draw some conclusions with the sanctuary cities 
or maybe the personal liberty laws, which would be a federal law was not being enforced by the states. But in this particular case, this is so unique because in this case, the federal law is not being enforced by the federal government. So the federal government is delinquent here. The federal government, the president of the United States is not enforcing the law. In fact, he's violating his oath of office, which means he is committing an impeachable offense. And he should be impeached immediately if the Congress is going to do anything. And I've seen a lot of hot air about this. Well, you know what's going to happen if Biden does this. Uh, what we're going to do in the next session is defund these things. No. What they should do immediately is impeach him. Call an impeachment vote. The president has violated his oath of office. That's it. I mean, this is it. He has violated his oath of office by not enforcing the laws, by saying that the Texas National Guard, and I'll, and I'll get into some of the, the legal part of this as well, by trying to federalize the Texas National Guard, and then by saying we're going to use them to open the border and allow illegal immigrants into the United States. He has 100% violated his oath of office and immediately should be impeached and convicted and removed from office. It is one of the most egregious violations of the Constitution you can think of when the president simply openly, I mean openly, says we're not going to enforce federal law. That's his primary job. Now, if the law was unconstitutional, well, then you can make a case that he doesn't have to enforce the federal law. But in this case, is it unconstitutional or is it not unconstitutional? We're going to get into all of that. Is immigra federal immigration law unconstitutional? If it is unconstitutional, then the states have a primary responsibility to do exactly what Greg Abbott in Texas is doing and try to stop immigration. So there's all there's so many layers to this, and it can be a little confusing. Now, years ago, I did talk about immigration policy, and it is really up to the states. However, the 14th Amendment made some had some interesting language on this, and even the Kentucky resolutions themselves, which Jefferson wrote allude to federal policy when it comes to immigration. Okay, so you have a lot of things happening here, and there's been some arguments about Article 1, Section 10, etc., etc. You have some arguments about the 10th Amendment. There's so many things going on. So let's just break down what's happening, at least in terms of the news. We all see it. We all know it. The southern border of the United States has been wide open now for nearly four years. The Biden administration has put in a a welcome sign, all are welcome, just come on over. The flood of immigration is tremendous. I mean, it, it's gotten to a point where it is literally an invasion. There are people entering the United States unchecked. The Border Patrol is doing nothing. It's catch and release. They, they catch them, they say, where are you going to go? And they send them off. There is no enforcement of immigration law at the border. People are being arrested and released, and nobody's really being deported. And I know that there are stats out there, oh, wait a second, McClanahan, people are being... It's a failure. Our immigration law on the southern border is an abject failure, and it's done on purpose. It is a willful attempt by the Biden administration to ignore the law. That alone is an impeachable offense. Okay, that, that, that alone, because the law, if you want to follow precedent, is not unconstitutional. Now... Is it unconstitutional when it comes to the original Constitution? So let's get into all the layers of the legality of this, because I think that's very important. You're going to have a lot of left libertarians say immigration is a human right, and people can just walk and go anywhere they want. It's not I mean, we, you might theoretically say that, but it's never operated that way in the history of the world, right? Nobody's ever been able to go anywhere they want, anytime they want. 
It's like saying you can come into my property anytime you want because it's a human right to travel to walk on my property. It's not. Okay. And in the United Texas, the border is owned by the state of Texas, not the general government. You see, that's the thing. Now you can make a claim, well, wait a second here. The border is owned by the general government. I know, for example, where I live, there's a river that separates two states, and one state owns the river and the other state does not. So does Texas own the Rio Grande or does the United States government own the Rio Grande? Because that's what they're saying is the border of Texas and Mexico, the Rio Grande. Now, according to treaties, the Rio Grande would be the border of Texas, which means that Texas controls its own border. However, we've decided that the central government is going to assume control of that responsibility. Uh, but only in Texas, not in California, when you know the state controls that, right? You see, so it's it comes down to politics in this particular case. You know, the, the state of the state of Texas controls it, and, te and and a state of I'm sorry, state of California controls it in California. General government has nothing to do with it. State of Texas, our state of California allows anybody in they want. Texas, though, when they try to stop it, you can't do that. You can't do that. So the general government is immediately saying that what Texas is doing is unconstitutional. Is it, though? Is it? So let's go all the way back, ladies and gentlemen, to 1798, to a time before we had a bunch of dopes, political dopes, in office who really don't know anything about the Constitution. And I say, let's go all the way back to a time in 1798 when we still had the men who wrote the Constitution, who ratified the Constitution in power. Now, at that time, we had a Federalist-controlled Congress, and the Federalists in Congress decided that they could pass something called the Alien and Sedition Acts. And the Alien and Sedition Acts, the first part, of course, the Alien Acts, there were several acts. The Sedition Act is the one that people most focus on. But the Alien Acts allowed for the president to boot people out of the United States. If you were an alien, meaning that you were not legally here, you were not a citizen of the United States, you were an alien. Now, last time I checked, none of these people entering the southern border, are citizens of the United States. Maybe some of them are if they cross and came back. But most of these people, probably 99.9999999% of these people are not citizens of the United States. So they're aliens. You can call them illegal, you can call them, but they're aliens. So the Alien Acts allow for the president to kick these people out if he so choose. A lot of these aliens were winding up in states that did not support the Federalists, like Virginia or Kentucky. They were foreigners. And the states of Virginia and Kentucky were allowing them to live there. And they were setting up citizenship requirements for these people. And once they became a citizen of the state of Virginia or Kentucky, then they could be a citizen of the United States. You see, they would be a citizen of the United States. And of course, the general government had allowed for naturalization. How do you become a citizen of the United States? That was 1790. They set this up a few years before the Adel and Sedition Acts were passed. So you had to be white of good moral character and you had to live here for a certain period of time. Now, the Congress also made it much more difficult to become a citizen of the United States in the Alien Acts. Why? Because they didn't want these people to vote. Because these people generally voted for the Jeffersonians. So there's a lot of politics being played here. But we know the Federalists in Congress thought that they could decide who could be a citizen of the United States. What they did not say is that, well, I mean, they tried, is that the president could kick these people out. What Jefferson said in the Kentucky Resolutions is they can't do that. He didn't deny that the Congress could set naturalization laws. But what he did say is that Congress, until a certain year, could not prohibit people from coming into the United States. 
So let me go read that part of the Kentucky Resolutions because this is important. This is in um, section, uh, I'm sorry, section six. Section six of, of Jefferson's draft of the uh, of the act. I'm sorry, section five and six. Let's get into both section five and six because um, that is important. Um, and he also gets into this a little bit under section four. So let's just go all the way back to section four, okay? Because he does make a case that this is all a 10th Amendment issue. So I'm going to back up. Four, five, and six. We're going to read into those. All right, so... Four, five, and six of the 1798 draft of the Kentucky Resolutions by Thomas Jefferson. So we know what Jefferson thought. Now, Jefferson didn't wasn't part of the Philadelphia Convention. He wasn't part of the ratification process. He's over in France. All right, so... But we know there were lots of people in the United States who thought like Jefferson. And we know that because, of course, this Kentucky Resolution, it was softened slightly. But these things passed the legislature of Kentucky. So we know that the people in Kentucky thought like this. Okay, We know there were other states. There's actually been a lot of work done on this. It initially said, nobody came to the call of Virginia and Kentucky here. They all thought this was, uh, this was, that's not true. There were a lot of people that were going to answer the call if the general government would invade these states and force them to accept these laws. So we know there were other states that were going to back them up. So section four, resolved that alien friends under the jurisdiction and protection of laws of the state wherein they are, that no power over them has been delegated to the United States, nor prohibited to the individual states, distinct from their power over citizens. And it being true as a general principle, and one of the amendments of the Constitution having also declared that the power is not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, or reserved to the states respectively over the people. The Act of the Congress of the United States passed on the, on the day of July 1798 Act entitled an Act Concerning Aliens, which assumes power over alien friends not delegated by the Constitution is not law, but is altogether void and of no force. So, first of all, what Jefferson has said there is that when these people enter the state of Texas, they are not under the jurisdiction of the United States, they are under the jurisdiction of Texas, and Texas can do with them whatever they want. They can arrest them, they can boot them out of Texas, they can send them wherever they want. They can send them back to Mexico. They can send them to any other state. They can do, Well, they shouldn't send them to any other state, but they can send them back to Mexico because they are not citizens of the United States. They're not under the jurisdiction of the United States. They weren't born in the United States. They weren't subject to the laws of the United States, which is the 14th Amendment. So let me get into that, right? Because the 14th Amendment, Section 1, says all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. Now, it says, No state shall make or enforce any law which abridge the privileges or immunities of the citizens, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So, what the immigration people will say, the open immigration, Wait a second, there's less of that. You can't deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Well, they're getting due process. You've been arrested. You've been put through a trial. You're not here illegally. You're out. You have equal protection of the laws in that case. You're you're not just being... There, there is a trial here. I mean, there has to be a process. The due process is, show me you're here legally or not. And then if you're not, you're gone. So the 14th Amendment doesn't even apply here. But the 10th Amendment does. Because these people are not, as the 14th Amendment says, 
born or naturalized in the United States. They're not subject to the jurisdiction. They're not citizens of the United States. And therefore, as Jefferson says, because they are not citizens of the United States, the central government has no control over these people. The states do. So the states can say, you can be here or you cannot be here. It's really that simple. It's really that simple. This is a 10th Amendment issue. Okay? So, that said, the states can say who can be there and who can't be here. So that's section four. This is Thomas Jefferson. This isn't some crazy right-winger on the internet named, you know, some Brian McClanahan or something. This, this is Thomas Jefferson saying this, right? So, uh, section five, resolve that in addition to the general principle that he just outlined, as well as the express declaration that powers not delegated are reserved, another and more special provision inserted in the Constitution from abundant caution has declared that the, quote, migration or importation of such persons as any of the states now existing shall think proper to admit shall not be prohibited by the Congress prior to the year 1808. Now, what does that say? Now, of course, this had to do with slavery. Jefferson knew it. Everyone knew it. But, of course, it also alludes to the fact that Congress may prohibit certain people from entering the United States. Congress could, of course, abolish the slave trade, which Jefferson, as president, wanted to get done as quickly as possible because he was president in that time period. Now, this is before that, but certainly Jefferson wanted to handle that issue. But what he has just done is just said, look, Congress can prohibit certain people from entering the United States. It can do that, but only after 1808. But what's the flip side of that? Congress can prohibit. Does that mean they can let them in? Does that mean say they can say, well, you can let all these people in? It doesn't say they can do that. It says the states shall think proper to admit. So the states still have control of this. The states were still saying, we're going to admit these people. We're saying it's okay. And Congress cannot prohibit that. Congress can't say, you can't do that. States can say, we're not going to admit these people, and Congress can't say, you have to. They never had that power. It's not a delegated power of the central government. Jefferson is 100% correct here. So if the state of Texas says, you're not allowed in our state. Now, 14th Amendment would say that if you're a citizen, that's a whole other situation. Of course, that had to do with freedmen. So the state of Texas couldn't say that if you're a citizen of the United States, you're not allowed here. This gets into the Yankee tax and all that other kind of stuff, which is a fun issue in itself. Um, can they do that? Is that a 14th Amendment issue? I've talked about it. There could be some hiccups with that. But certainly, in this case, none of these people are citizens. They're illegally here in the United States. They're not citizens. They're illegally in the state of Texas. So Texas is saying, we're going to put up a border. We're going to put up razor wire and cutting containers. We're going to use the National Guard, the Texas National Guard, and we're going to stop these people from invading the state of Texas. And I'm going to get into that too. Right. So we've got a situation where the central government does not have any power to prohibit the state of Texas under the original Constitution and the 14th Amendment. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. Supreme Court is doing something that it shouldn't do. We've got a situation, and I know the court is vacated, so they're saying we're just going to go with the, with the lower court that's saying the state of Texas can't do this. Because of supremacy clause, we got supremacy clause, supreme government, supreme, only in laws in pursuance of the Constitution. The laws that are not being enforced here, I mean, you think about that. The Supreme Court has said the federal government supreme and not enforcing the laws that are on the books. It's so backwards, right? These laws are on the books. You cannot come in the United States 
unless you have a passport. You're not supposed to be here. So if you just cross the river in the United States, you're here illegally. So the Supreme Court was complicit. And in fact, Amy Coney Barrett and John Roberts and the other three dopey liberal justices, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Jackson, should all be impeached too. Because what they have just done is said, we're not going to uphold the laws of the United States. They should all be impeached. Because they didn't follow their oath. So they should all be gone too. All five of them, gone. Right? It's, it's simple. The Congress should show a backbone and just do it. And you've got two Republicans in that list, the Chief Justice included. They should all be impeached. That's how, that's how uh, egregious this violation is. It's ridiculous. So then he says that this Commonwealth does admit the migration of alien friends, described as the subject of the set act concerning aliens, that a provision against prohibit, prohibit, pro, prohibiting I'm sorry, <laughs> their migration is a provision against all acts equivalent thereto, or it would be nugatory. That to remove them when migrated is equivalent to a prohibition of their migration and is therefore contrary to the said provision of the Constitution and void. So, the state of Virginia is allowing them to, the general government has no control over this. They can't prohibit anybody. Now, in 2024, they could prohibit these people. And they're supposed to. It's on the law. It's on the books, right? They're supposed to. And they're not. So they're openly violating Joe Biden as president of the United States, as an oath to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. He is the executive. He enforces the laws, is violating his oath of office. So there we go. This is the problem. We've got a serious violation of the Constitution. And we know that according to the founding generation who wrote the Constitution, and they wrote this provision about impeachment, they said that if a president did this, that's an impeachable offense. If you want to get more into that, read my Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution. I've got a whole section on this in there. It's my favorite book that I've written. It gets into all this stuff. I've got a great class on the Constitution at McClanahan Academy. You should get that one too. Right? Use the coupon code PODCAST, get 25% off. It's an awesome class. So then the sixth section, that the imprisonment of person under the protection of the laws of this commonwealth on his failure to obey the simple order of the president to depart out of the United States, as is undertaken by the said act, an act concerning aliens, is contrary to the Constitution, one amendment to which is provided that no person shall be deprived of liberty without due process of law, and that another, having provided that in all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to public trial, etc., etc. So what they're saying is this violates the Fifth Amendment, and of course, the president on a simple order can't do this. Now, that would actually work for the sanctuary city people, okay, this part of it. But at the, on the other hand, what Jefferson is saying is that the states control immigration policy in the United States. This is Jefferson. The 14th Amendment never changed that. The central government controls naturalization, who's a citizen and who's not. But they didn't make all these people citizens overnight. They didn't just with a wave of the hand say, you all have amnesty and you're here. No, no, no. They have to follow the rules of the United States and the state of Texas and if Texas says these people can't be here, they can't be here. They're illegal. They're illegally in the state. And the state of Texas has an obligation not only to enforce the laws of Texas, but the laws of the United States. The judges and the office holders in the state of Texas take an oath to do that exact same thing. This is a dereliction of duty by the President of the United States, the Biden administration, and the federal government. They are all violating law. Anyone who goes out there and tries to enforce an edict of the president is violating the law in this case. It is clear-cut. There's there's nothing out there. I mean, of course, I'm not a lawyer. I'll have a disclaimer here. I'm not a lawyer, but I'm just looking at all of the stuff that led into this. Now, we also know 
that the state of Texas and the founding gen- the state of Texas is doing what the founding generation would have wanted to do. And how do I know that? Because they openly said it. I'll give you an example. This is from the Philadelphia Convention. Now, I know the ratification debate, so that's what I said before, the, or the debates that breathe life into the Constitution. This is from my Founding Father's Guide to the Constitution, the book I just mentioned. So, this is on page 71, and I have a whole section about the militia. A whole section about the militia, because that's been brought up now. Biden can just nationalize the militia, and he can just say, you can't enforce the law. Aha! Oh, man, that would be a real violation of the law. Because the founding generation said some things about this. Quote, When the issue of central control of the militia came up for debate in August, John Dickinson, the penman of the revolution, one of the most important members of the founding generation, said this, We are now come to a most important matter, that of the sword. He did not think the states would give up all authority over the militia. Oliver Ellsworth concurred. Oliver Ellsworth, the secessionist from New England. The whole authority over the militia ought by no means to be taken away from the states whose consequence would pine away to nothing after such a sacrifice of power. It must be vain to ask the states to give the militia out of their hands. End quote. Roger Sherman, the Atlas, a man that Thomas Jefferson said never made a bad statement in his life, said this. He argued that the states would want to retain control of the militia to not only protect against, quote, invasions and insurrections, but also to enforce obedience to their laws, end quote. Elbridge Gerry, in true pessimistic form, thought that this is the last point remaining to be surrendered by the states. If it be agreed to by the convention, the plan will have as black a mark as was set on Cain. He had no such confidence in the general government as some gentlemen possessed and believed it would be found that the states have not. End quote. I mean, look. Now, again, the thing was passed through and the central government had some control over militia. I realize that. But these people were sounding, a, they're sounding an alarm bell. Hey, the states have the power to suppress insurrection. That's in Article 1, Section 10. If they are invaded, they can they can go out and say, we're being invaded. We have to we have to use the National Guard, our state militia. They do have that. Texas has that. 2,200 men the governor can use. We can use our own powers to stop this from happening. You see, this is where I, I think if the general government doesn't blink here, they are in serious trouble. Biden is in serious trouble. In fact... Uh, I mean, this could set up a real showdown. Congress could potentially call for Joe Biden's arrest. They could do all kinds of things here. Congress has a lot of power in this case because Biden is violating law. He he is above the law at this point. We know that there's a Lincolnian, a Lincolnian precedent for this. We know that presidents are above the law because they've done it since the 1860s. But we have a situation where the president is openly saying we're not going to enforce the laws on the books. And he thinks that's going to be a winning political message. I'm going to tell you right now. I think Biden will blink because he's going to understand that when the cameras show up and everything happens, I mean, it's going to be phrased as humanitarian crisis. Oh, we got to let these people in. Look at all these. But when the cameras show up and Biden it's shown, Biden is saying, just come on in. You're, you're here illegally. And this becomes a campaign issue. Even, you know, John Fetterman now. A darling of the progressive left. Now he's not really progressive. He's, I mean, look, John Fetterman is kind of a, he's a Pennsylvania Democrat. And a lot of Pennsylvania Democrats, they're pro-labor union, they're anti-immigration. This has long been their situation. That's what John Fetterman is. Okay. So 
when you got John Fetterman, you're going to have some Democrats. They're going to get on board with the Republicans trying to block this. Now, what about the president nationalizing the the uh, the National Guard, right? Federalizing the National Guard. This is this has been brought up. You know what this happened? This happened in actually 2020. And this is from NBC News. What is a president's authority to send in federal troops? The Insurrection Act allows the president to call up the active military or federalize the National Guard under three circumstances only. This is from NBC News. And you got all these lefties out there saying, oh, Biden should just federalize the National Guard because, because he can do that. He can federalize. Take it out of Texas to change because you can do that. Well, this is from their own establishment news sources. Okay, so there are three ways under the Insurrection Act the president can do it, according to the mainstream media. And this is true, right? They were accurate. They were accurate on this one. So, First, at the request of a state. That's how it was most recently used when Pete Wilson, then the governor of California, asked for federal help in 1992 to control violent protests after police officers were acquitted in the attack on Rodney King. So, the National Guard can be called up at the request of a state. So, you can federalize the militia at the request of a state. This has always been the case. It's actually in the Constitution. The application legislature or the governor when the legislature is not in session. You can do that. Now, we know the president, going all the way back to Washington, violated this. Because they tried to put some outs in there. Like, if the Supreme Court justice could get involved and say that it's there. And there was always, there, they, the Federalists tried to come up with outs because they know the language of the Constitution was pretty rock solid on this, right? So, the state of Texas is not asking the general government to federalize the National Guard. So, that one's out. They would actually do the opposite. You have no authority here. And we know during the Whiskey Rebellion, which is what I referred to, State of Pennsylvania, the governor, Thomas Mifflin, who was part of the ratification process, says, we don't need your help here. We got it. Alexander Hamilton pushed for it anyways. It's a Hamilton screwed up America. Another great class at McClanahan Academy. See, you know all this stuff because you took McClanahan Academy if you did that. So you've got, you've got a situation where Texas has not asked the general government for help. And we know in 1861, the states weren't asking, and the South weren't asking for Lincoln to call it the National Guard either, or the, the militia at that point. It wasn't a National Guard. The militia, right? He wasn't calling for 75,000. He was calling 75,000 troops to put down the insurrection. That goes to Section 2. So now there's an insurrection, right? Or rebellion. We've got a case of invasion. We know the general government's, the one thing, one of the charges it has is to protect the states from insurrection, or, or which is rebellion or invasion. We know they're supposed to do this. We're being, Texas is being invaded. So they're not even doing that. So part two, to enforce federal law. Ooh, well, what Biden would be doing here by calling it, by federalizing the National Guard would be to not enforce federal law. So he can't even do that. In 1987, Ronald Reagan ordered the Defense Department to provide military units to help suppress violent, violence at a federal prison in Atlanta. The service was over before the troops arrived. So you can't do that. So you can't. There's no. There's nothing there, right? There's. He, he can't. He can't do this because he would actually be violating federal law by saying we're not going to enforce federal law. We're just going to federalize the National Guard to not enforce federal law. Can't do it. Can't do it. Now, if he's saying we're going to enforce federal law, well, that would mean they'd have to be called up to actually enforce the law and send all these people back and keep the razor wire and the boxes, the containers in place. Supreme Court doesn't make federal law. The Supreme Court decided we're not going to hear this. The Congress made the law, and the law is, you can't be here illegally, right? So Biden would be violating his oath of office by doing that. The last one to protect civil rights. 
This provision authorizes the president to use the military to suppress any insurrection, domestic violence, unlawful combination, or conspiracy, and local law enforcement is unable to provide sufficient protection. So, um, these people, of course, are here illegally. They're not citizens of the United States, and therefore, the laws of the United States do not apply. They can be given, because of the 14th Amendment, due process, and the states can have due process and all these things, but there's no civil rights violations going on here. You don't have a civil right to be in the state of Texas if you're there illegally. You're by default or illegal. So you can't even use this. Now, in 2005, Congress changed a law allowing the president to use the provision in case of cases of domestic violence when public order is disrupted by natural disaster, epidemic, or terrorist attack without a request from a state's governor. But Congress revoked that special authority a year later in the face of widespread opposition from the states. So he doesn't have that. Joe Biden has no legal leg to stand on here to federalize the National Guard at all. And if he doesn't, impeach. Joe Biden has no legal leg to stand on to say the state of Texas can't do what it's doing. If he tries to do it, impeach. That should be the, that should be the number one thing Congress should be doing. All the Republicans just say, this is it. We're going to impeach him for this. It's over. Biden should be immediately impeached. A trial should be held. I mean, it should be a vote. It shouldn't even have to go through proceedings. We're calling to impeach the president. It should be a vote. The Republicans should say yes, and it should go immediately to trial. That should be it. I mean, right there. And by doing that, of course, Congress can also do other things. They can say, well, we're going to defund this. We're going to do all these. We're going to, we're going to try to block it however we can legislatively. But regardless, Biden should be impeached. And by the way, state of Texas should ignore everything he's going to do. That's the real showdown. And I don't think Biden's going to win that meet that public relations disaster that's being set up for him. So that's my take on all this. The Constitution's clear. Biden has no authority here. The states still have authority over this issue. Again, according to the original Constitution and the 14th Amendment. I don't care what the case law says. I'm talking about what the language and what these people who wrote the 14th Amendment would have would have agreed to, what the people who wrote the Constitution, ratified it, would have agreed to. They never would have thought in, in a couple hundred years that the president would willingly allow for the invasion of a state. That would, that would have damned the Constitution, frankly. And then, of course, the president has no authority under the Insurrection Act to do anything that's going on here, to federalize the National Guard. It's clear-cut. We'll see what happens, but that's my take on all of this. Uh, again, not a lawyer, just a historian looking at this, but I think it's pretty clear that's what's happening here. So, uh, see you next week on The Brian McClanahan Show. See you then.